Maybe you remember reading several years ago about a singer-songwriter named Dave Carroll who was flying from Halifax, Nova Scotia to Omaha, Nebraska. He had a layover at Chicago's O'Hare um, Airport, and as he was getting ready to get off the plane, he heard another passenger say, My God, they're throwing guitars out there. As Dave and the other band members looked out onto the tarmac where the luggage was being unloaded, they recognized the guitars, and their reaction was terror and disbelief. Later, he discovered that his $3,500 Taylor guitar's neck had been broken. What followed was a customer service nightmare. Dave tried for nine months to get a claim processed with United. The response was a firm and consistent no. They said, since you didn't file your claim within 24 hours, we have no um, obligation to um, reimburse you. He tried phone calls. He tried emails. He tried everything. And United held firm and said, no, we're not going to reimburse you for the guitar. So what else does a singer-songwriter do? He writes a song and uploads it to YouTube. He wrote a song, he produced a music video, and the song entitled United Breaks Guitars. Just Google that, United Breaks Guitars. It went viral. It was first posted on July 6, 2009. It got 150,000 hits the first day. Three days later, it was up to 500,000 hits. By mid-August, 5 million hits. By February of 2011, 10 million hits. And when I looked this week, it was at 15 million hits. United breaks guitars. The media grabbed hold and the song became an instant success. The folks at United called him and said, Hey, can we use your video internally for a training video? All the while, still not reimbursing him in any way. Bob Taylor, owner of Taylor Guitars, immediately offered Dave Carroll two guitars. The song hit number one on the iTunes Music Store a week after it came out. In December of 2009, Time Magazine named the video number seven on the top ten viral videos of 2009. The Today Show in June of 2013 showed his video on here's the proper way to complain if you want to get service by being respectful and without yelling. And check this out, within four days of that video being posted, United Airlines stock price fell 10%, costing stockholders $180 million. Wow, that illustrates the power of social media. That illustrates how you can get companies to respond. That illustrates the culture in which we live. We live in a culture that expects... No, we live in a culture that demands service. When we go to a restaurant, we expect service. When we go to the doctor, we expect service. When we go to the post office, we expect service. When we buy a cell phone, we expect good service. When we buy or sell a house and we... Um, contract with a realtor, we expect good service. When we get our oil change, we expect good service. That's the culture in which we live. And when we don't get good service, the claws come out. 
even Christian clause. What do we do when we don't get good service? Well, sometimes we complain. Sometimes we go to management. Sometimes we go to Facebook. You can read lots of stories about people who have posted bad service on Facebook and the companies respond. There's a lot of companies now that if you try to call them, you'll never get through. But if you post something on Facebook, they're going to respond quickly because of the power of social media. What do we do when you get bad service? We tend to complain, but what do you do when you get bad serve us at church? You see, there's a difference between service and serve us. What do you do when you get bad serve us at church? Chuck Swindoll writes, A typical American family was driving home from church one day. Dad was fussing about the sermon being too long and sort of boring. Mom said she thought the music was a little too loud. Sis, who was a music major in college, said she thought the song leader sang about a half note off key during most of the singing. Grandma said she couldn't hear very well since they were sitting toward the back. As they pulled in the driveway, little Willie, who had listened to all this, started to fuss about the woman who sat in front of him with the big hat. Then he paused, nudged his dad and said, But dad, you got to admit, it's a pretty good show for a nickel. To Swindoll continues to more people than we would dare admit. Attending church is a lot like watching a show. The better the entertainment, the more they enjoy coming. But the less they like what they see and hear, the more they grumble and complain. Let the show get really bad. There's no way most people are going to see it through. Yet we've got to admit that the price of admission is still pretty hard to beat. You know, we even call this a worship service. And yet sometimes we treat it like a worship serve us. Service with good singing, serve us with good preaching, serve us with good Bible classes, serve us with a good children's program, serve us with a good youth program, serve us with coffee, serve us in so many different ways. I can't tell you how many times in all of my years of ministry, 30 plus years of ministry, maybe the number one complaint that people have is, if you don't give us what we want, we're going to church somewhere else. If you don't serve us, we're going to go to church somewhere else. We do that with restaurants. If we don't get good service, we just won't go back. We do that at places we shop. We do that in a lot of places that we go to on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes we do that with church. I don't have to tell you that all the complaints I get, none of them come from people outside the church. There's nobody outside the church fussing at what we do. All the complaints are serve us. We're in a series, we're looking at the four goals that we have as a Pine Tree Church. We looked at this one, we'll gather for worship, and we talked about worship. Let us invite others to regularly join us. We looked at this one, we will connect with others in a small group to experience the growth and encouragement that comes by being in community. And today I want to talk about this one. We will serve the church 
passionately, believing that the church is the hope of the world, and knowing that our service not only influences others, but also benefits our own spiritual maturity. And that was our scripture reading today from 1 Peter 4 and verse 10. Let me read you a poem by Judith Vriorst. If I were in charge of the world, I'd cancel oatmeal, Monday mornings, allergy shots. If I were in charge of the world, there'd be brighter nightlights, healthier hamsters, and basketball baskets, baskets 48 inches lower. If I were in charge of the world, you wouldn't have lonely, you wouldn't have clean, you wouldn't have bedtimes, or don't punch your sister. You wouldn't even have sisters. If I were in charge of the world, a chocolate sundae with whipped cream and nuts would be a vegetable. All 007 movies would be G, and a person who sometimes forgot to brush and sometimes forgot to flush would still be allowed to be in charge of the world. If I were in charge of the world, here's what I would do. I would change people's thinking about serving in the church. I would change people's thinking so that we would serve the church passionately. Win Arn, church consultant, surveyed members of nearly a thousand churches. He surveyed members of a thousand churches and said, why does the church exist? Eighty-nine percent of the church members surveyed said, the purpose of the church is to take care of my family and my needs. You hear what they're saying? The purpose of the church is to serve me. We have a serve us problem. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the things we do, I think the services we offer ought to be good. I think worship service ought to be done in an excellent fashion. I think every ministry we have ought to be done in an excellent fashion. But I think everything we do ought to be done in excellence, not for me and you. What we do in excellence is not for us. In fact, if you... If you go back to this verse, God has given gifts to each of you from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that the reason we encourage you to serve, the reason we want you to get involved in ministry, the reason we want you to to get involved in the Lord's work is so that when we serve, we show people how gracious God is. When we serve... We show people how generous God is. When we serve, we're putting God on display. When we serve, people see God through us. It's not for us. It's to put God on display so that God gets the glory. I like the J.B. Phillips translation. Serve one another with the particular gifts God has given each of you as faithful dispensers. So when you go to lunch today, you might get a dispenser of salt or pepper. And as faithful dispensers, we're supposed to go around shaking God's grace on people. How do we do that? We serve them. We serve them. How about the message? That way God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and He will get all the credit. The reason we want folks to get involved is because we give God the glory. So I just kind of want to look at... Our third goal today, we will serve. I'm just going to kind of break it down. We will serve. We're created to serve. A lot of people are saying, I don't know my purpose in life. Your purpose in life is God wants you to serve. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, to serve. We were created to serve. 
1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20, God paid a great price for you, so use your body to honor God. You were put on earth to make a contribution. You were put on earth because you have, you have value. You were put on earth to serve people. I like this quote I got this week. If God can make a bug's bottom light up to decorate the night sky, imagine what He can do in your life. And God created that bug. That bug has a purpose. And there's a lot of people wandering through life wondering, well, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to serve. We will serve. We will serve the church. Do I need to get involved in the local church? We will serve the church. We were created to serve the church. I'm all for you serving in the community. I'm glad you were serving in the community. We need Christians serving in the community. But one of our goals is we need people to serve the church, the body of Christ. You were bought with a price by Jesus to serve in His church. So we'll serve the church. And we're going to serve the church passionately. We're going to serve the church fervently, excitedly, eagerly. Listen, folks, serving should never be a burden. Serving should never be a chore. Serving's not even a responsibility. Serving is an opportunity for you to look like Jesus. We read in Mark chapter 10, "...whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve." Even Jesus when he came to this earth, never sat down and said, hey, can you serve me? It's all about serve us. Even the Son of Man came to serve people. We're never more like Jesus than when we serve other people to show people Jesus. When Jesus came and died on the cross, he did that to serve us. When Jesus came and left heaven, he did that to serve us. When Jesus paid our sin debt, he did that to serve us. When Jesus gave us hope and forgiveness... He did that to serve us. We do that believing that the church is the hope of the world. Can I be a Christian and not go to church? I don't think so, because Jesus died to establish the church, and the church is His body. So how can you not be connected with His body? If you're not connected to the body, if you're not connected to the life source, then you're not connected. If you're not connected to the life source, you have no life. And yet through the years, there's a lot of Christians who've just wanted to go out and live in the middle of nowhere and and serve God. You can't serve God if you're not connected to the church. We believe that the church is the hope of the world. And knowing that our service not only influences others, you do realize, you have to realize, I know you realize, that when you serve people, it influences them. It changes them. You go mow your neighbor's yard, and it influences your neighbor. You go teach a Bible class, and it influences those children and those adults. The people who prepared prepared the communion trays this morning influenced how we worship today. When you serve, you influence other people. But not only that, we benefit. um, It also benefits our own spiritual maturity. One of the best ways to grow your faith, research will tell you, is... To serve other people. Your faith grows. You've heard Brian for years talk about orange. And one of the philosophies of orange is, it's time we get kids out of the classroom. And we need to get them out in the world serving. If we never give them opportunities to serve, all we've given them is a bunch of knowledge. 
You know, a sponge only fills up so much and then you got to squeeze it. What some of you need is not more Bible classes. Don't hear me wrong. I'm all for Bible classes. I'm all for studying the Bible. I'm all for Bible knowledge. But it's time to put some spiritual knowledge. It's time to put some spiritual muscle to work. Jesus said, whoever puts these words into practice, whoever hears these words and puts them into practice, it's time to exercise some spiritual muscle. How do you do that? You serve. When you serve, you're exercising spiritual muscle. When you exercise spiritual muscle, that muscle gets stronger. And when you exercise spiritual muscle, your spiritual maturity grows. Some of the strongest people with the strongest faith in church are people who serve. So our goal is an all-encompassing goal. We're going to serve, and we're going to serve the church, and we're going to serve the church passionately because we believe that what we do at church and how we serve in church and everything involved with what we do in serving the church, that our service influences others and it benefits our own spiritual maturity. That's why this September, at the end of September, I believe the last Sunday in September, we're going to have, not sure what it's going to be called, but just to give you an idea... We're going to have an involvement fair, a ministry fair, a you sign up fair. I don't know what it's going to be called yet. Maybe something like engage. I like it. But just so you know what engage is, you need to engage in the Lord's work. How do you do that? You need to serve. In fact, there's some sheets in the chairs today of ways that you, would, you can get involved in the Lord's work. So scribble down how you'd like to serve in those ways. The reason we encourage you to teach, the reason we encourage you to go on mission trips, the reason we want you to get involved with carrying and sharing, or the women's ministry, or the men's ministry, or the youth ministry, or the children's ministry, or any ministry, the reason we want you to sign up to prepare the communion trays, the reason we want our men to get involved in in, uh, saying prayers and serving communion is, when you exercise spiritual muscle, it grows your faith. Everyone has a gift. I read this last week. Research says most people have between five and seven hundred gifts, talents, and abilities. Wow. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got a purpose. But let me give you some reasons why we don't serve. I didn't say why you don't serve. Here's some reasons why we don't serve. We're overcommitted. We live in a society, we got folks going 100 miles an hour. Not even 100 miles an hour, 1,000 miles an hour. We've got folks traveling every weekend doing something. We're overcommitted. We've got folks, we've got folks that your children are running your house. And they're running you all over the country. And they're running you ragged. I know that because you say, I can't wait till my kids are 18 and leave the house so I can stay at home one weekend. Because we're overcommitted. I'm all for families. I'm all for you doing things with your families. But when we're so overcommitted that we can't do this, something's wrong. Not only are we overcommitted, we think we are incapable. I got nothing to offer. I don't have any gifts. I know research says I've got between five and seven hundred. I don't have anything to offer. And our self-esteem comes into play. And we believe that there's nothing we could do that would benefit the church. And... That's a lie, because God has gifted each one of us. Another reason we do not serve, and I think this is one that I've read more and more in the last couple years, if you want to get people to serve, you need to fix this one. 
we feel unappreciated. When you feel unappreciated, you're not going to do jack. Church research says if you want people to serve, just give them a pat on the back. If you want people to serve, send them a note. If you want people to serve, encourage them. When people feel valued, people will do anything for you. When people feel valued, so elders, deacons, ministry leaders, everybody. How about sending a note to some people saying, hey, I appreciate what you do with. I appreciate when you, we need to value people. And maybe the main reason we don't serve is because the honest answer is we just make excuses for not wanting to serve. So you know we've got to fit some Bible in here because we're a church. So let me fit some Bible in here. I'm going to go back to Exodus chapter 3 and 4. In Exodus 3 and 4 is when we find God calling Moses. Moses is wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years, he's in the wasteland. He's at Mount Horeb, which is desert wasteland. For 40 years, he's tending sheep because he feels like, I'm all alone, i got nothing to offer. And he sees God in a burning bush, and God calls him. And we read in Exodus chapter 3, God says, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out. I'm concerned. I've come down to bring them up out of land. So now you go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses responds the same way a lot of people respond today. He makes excuses. He says, who am I that you would send me? What if they ask me your name? What if they do not believe me or listen to me? I'm slow of speech and tongue. And every time Moses has an excuse, God responds. And then Moses has a fifth excuse. He says, Lord, please send somebody else. Please get somebody else. We hear that a lot in church. We hear that a lot in church work. Please get somebody else. I don't know what happened between Moses saying, please get somebody else. And a few verses later, after the Lord's anger burns with Moses, but Moses is heading to see Pharaoh. And he's doing what God called him to do. I, I don't know what happened. There's no detail as to anything other than the Lord's anger burned. Maybe Moses sensed the Lord's anger. Maybe the Lord expressed his anger. Maybe he just gave Moses a good whooping and said, Look, you're going to do what I tell you to do. I don't know what happened. But the Lord called Moses... And he responded. But he said, get somebody else. Get somebody qualified. Get somebody who's a good speaker. Get somebody who can respond to Pharaoh. Get somebody because I'm too busy. Get somebody because I'm taking care of sheep. Get somebody because I don't want to. Get somebody else. We need someone to teach a class. Get somebody else. We need someone to work with our young people. Get somebody else. We need some people to do some painting and some maintenance work. Get somebody else. We need some people to serve in the ministry. Please find somebody else. We need some people to take charge of some things. Can you get somebody else? We need some parents to raise their kids to be drug-free. Can you get somebody else? We need some men to take some leadership roles. Can you get somebody else? We need some women to take some leadership roles. Can you get somebody else? We need some folks to go on mission trips. Can you get somebody else? If we're not careful, the excuse of get somebody else becomes our way of life. Get somebody else. Listen, I want you to hear this, okay? I really want you to hear this. 
the last thing I want to do is to guilt you into serving. That's not serving passionately. I'm, I'm not guilting you into serving. I, I promise. I'd rather you not serve because you feel guilty. I want you to serve the church passionately. I wrote this down. Let's be a church that promotes service, not serve us. So we're going to give you an opportunity. You're going to hear some more lessons coming in September. I know we've got so many people involved in so many ways. I know that. I'm not suggesting that we don't have people involved. Our goal, my goal, I think the goal of the leadership is, wouldn't it be nice to have a church that 100% of the people were doing something serving? And that may be true. We just don't know. We don't know what all you're doing, so in September we're going to have an opportunity for you to sign up, for you to tell us so that we can track people, so that we can find out what everybody's doing. Let me read this illustration. I've got time. Ted Engstrom writes in The Pursuit of Excellence. He said, I was cleaning out a desk drawer when I found a flashlight I hadn't used in over a year. I flipped a switch but wasn't surprised when it gave no light. I unscrewed it and shook it to get the batteries out, but they wouldn't budge. Finally, after some effort, they came loose. What a mess. Battery acid had corroded the entire inside of the flashlight. The batteries were new when I put them in, and I'd stored them in a safe, warm place. But there was one problem. Batteries weren't made to be warm and comfortable. They were designed to be used and turned on. And Christians weren't designed to be warm and comfortable. God designed us to be used and turned on. The church is a service department to the world, dispensing good deeds, dispensing God's grace, dispensing works of service. So one of our goals, one of our ongoing goals is, let's be a church that serves. A church that serves others and not serve us. We offer the invitation of Jesus Christ, which is an invitation of God serving us. The invitation of Jesus is, Jesus said, I'll die and take your place. I'm going to serve you forever by taking your place. And he died on the cross and he shed his blood. And he went to that tomb because he loves us so much. And you can respond to him and name him as your Lord and Savior. And that's why we call ourselves Christians, Christians, Christ followers. Because we want to follow Jesus and we want to serve him in any way that we need to serve Him. So if you need to respond to the invitation, if you need to repent and be baptized, if you need to follow Jesus, please do so as we stand and sing.